good morning. Welcome, Adventure Church. Thank you. I'm so happy to see you all. I just love so many of you. <laughs> I mean, most of you, okay. <laughs> no, I love you all. Unequivocally, I love you guys so much. I'm so blessed to be here. I'm so happy and honored to bring what I really believe is probably the most important message you can ever hear in your life. And I'm, I'm not trying to set this up too big, but really this passage, you probably all heard it before. If you've been in church more than two weeks, you probably heard this message. But I'm going to try to bring some clarity to a passage of scripture that is very, very common, but, but very misunderstood. And maybe there are some questions, kind of some some blurry things in here that I'm going to try to illuminate for you. So if you have a Bible with you or on your phone app or whatever it is, if you're at home, get out of your pajamas. <laughs> um, no, welcome for those of you who are at home. So we're going to turn to John chapter 3. Everybody, hear the pages? John chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Um, and when I say that this is the most important message, because I do think that so many people miss this, the title of this message is Born Again. Now, you've heard stories about uh, born again. I was born again, you know. When I first met my husband, um, so, I, so I, was, I was a really, really new Christian, and he was a pagan, he called himself a pagan heathen, um, and he, he did not know anything about the Bible whatsoever, not one single thing. And so um, he told my brother, after, after I met him, I left, and then he told my brother that he was going to marry me. And my brother's like, uh, probably that might not work because she's a Christian. And he goes, oh, she's not one of those born-agains, is she? And my brother's like, yeah, she is. The term born-again Christian is actually redundant. You cannot be a Christian without being born again. And we're going to see that this morning. Um, we're in a series now called Credo, which means we believe. This is a fundamental, basic beliefs, not only of Christianity, but of what we as the Adventure Church really believe. So this morning, um, we're going to start with born again. We're going to begin the opening scene with Nick at Night. John chapter 3. How many millennials? <laughs> Is it millennials? Yeah. Nick at night? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, John chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now there was a man named Nicodemus. We're going to call him Nick for short. He was a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. So basically, if, if I could use terms that that you all might understand, it's, it's almost like he was one of the quorum of the 70, okay? So he was like way up there. He, because Pharisees could be in what's called the Sanhedrin, which is like cream of the crop, kind of the top of the ladder, religiously speaking. And now Pharisees get a bad rap, and I know Jesus at times was pretty harsh with the Pharisees because the Pharisees, a lot of them thought they were better than other people because they did all the right things. So they thought that they were better because they kept the law and they did all this. But we're going to see, um, just because somebody does a lot of good things does not 
necessarily mean that they're secure in their salvation or secure in who they are. Um, after dark one evening, Nick came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Okay, so basically what Nick is saying to Jesus here is, uh, what's going on? Like, I have been watching you, and I have seen you do some pretty crazy things. He's seen the blind receive their sight. He's seen the deaf hear. He's seen dead people come back to life. And so Jesus had developed quite a reputation. So nobody knows really why he came to him at night. I mean, you know, maybe it was because he... he didn't want to be caught with Jesus. He didn't want to, you know, he, he didn't want to humble himself and be like, oh, I'm learning from this other guy. Or maybe his, you know, his Sanhedrin schedule was just packed and he couldn't find any other time. But anyway, it says at dark one evening. And that's, that's usually used as a sign of a, of a non-spiritual person or a person who's, who's deceived. And so it says, after dark, he came and he said, Rabbi, we all know God has sent you to teach us. Now get this. This guy, actually, we'll see a little bit later on in a few verses down. He was the guy. He was the expert, the teacher. And he's saying, we know that God has sent you to teach us. Now, I don't know when he's saying He sent you to teach us. I don't know if he's talking about everyone or if he's talking about the Pharisees or the religious leaders. But anyway, he recognizes who Jesus is. And he's saying, your miraculous signs are evidence. God is with you. And I think really what was going on in this guy at this point is he's like, I do everything right. I keep the law, which he probably didn't. But he's thinking, you know what, I'm I'm this top official. And yet... I've never seen a miracle. I have never done anything that there's any evidence that God is actually with me. So I think he was kind of confessing his insecurity a little bit here. And so Jesus, in classic Jesus style, doesn't even acknowledge what he says. (laughs) He doesn't answer the question. He doesn't, he, you know, I mean, I don't know if Nick was just trying to butter him up or whatever. He's like, Rabbi, which in, in those days, you wouldn't say that. He would not say that to another person because he was too good, or whatever. Sorry, I'm messing with this. Um, So Jesus kind of just dismisses what he says, and he says, I tell you the truth. Now, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you probably want to listen. Jesus always tells the truth, but when he says that, what he's saying is, what I'm about to say is really important. So you really need to hear this. So Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now think about this. Unless you are born again. Now we've heard this term before. I mean, born again has, has a lot of negative connotations, doesn't it? Has the connotations of somebody who's like a zealot. You know, they're, they're on the corner with their sign. It says, turn or burn, you know, or get right or get left, you know, and, or, you know, whatever. They have their religious signs and they're like, you know, standing out there telling everybody they're going to hell. It's like, I don't know. Have you ever met anybody that actually came to Christ because of one of those people? I would love to. You did not. You did? Wow. He's going to preach next week. (laughs) 
That's insane. I've literally never met anybody. That's awesome. Wow, God could use a donkey, so why not? (laughs) Okay, unless you are born again, then what? You cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus is probably sitting there thinking, what are you talking about? And so he says, he's like, what do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? So clearly, he's not getting the picture here that Jesus is trying to say, this is a spiritual principle that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about physical, obviously. But we hear this term a lot. And people that, that um, hear about you know, born-again Christians, which again is redundant, but they, they get this idea in mind of, you know, this is some low life who just totally hit the bottom and they have nowhere else to go, or this is a person who's just really dogmatic, or this is like a, you know, a really hyper-judgmental person. You know, because unfortunately, the body of Christ, the church today, has a reputation for being intolerant. Yes? We have a reputation for being hypocritical, Right? If anybody ever tells you they won't come to church because there's churches full of hypocrites, go, we got room for one more. (laughs) They think we're intolerant, we're hypocritical, they think we're judgmental. How many of you have ever heard that? You're so judgmental. I'm like, I'm literally just sitting here breathing. (laughs) But sometimes when people do tell you that, sometimes, and I'm not saying always, because if you are judgmental, stop it. But if you're not, if you're just literally sitting there breathing and someone's like, you're, you're judging me. A lot of times that's because the Holy Spirit's working in that person. And so, I mean, they're going to say that to you, but sadly the church has developed a really bad reputation and specifically the born agains. Yeah, unfortunately, but here it is. And this is why Jesus says, you have to be born again. Now, he goes on to explain it. He says, I assure you. Okay, now, when Jesus says, I assure you, again, he's saying, you really need to listen up here, because what I'm about to say is important. He says, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. You know, some people like to say that this is um, talking about baptism, you know, that you have to be baptized or you can't be saved. Uh, Not correct. That is not correct. Otherwise, if you know the story of Jesus on the cross, he he had one thief on one side and he had one thief on the other side. And the one was like, come on, if you're the son of God, get us down from here. Come on. You did all these other miracles. Why don't you just get us off of this cross. And the other one's like, you know what? I know that I'm a sinner. I recognize who I am. And I know that I, that I need you. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And then Jesus says, but unfortunately, you're stuck on that cross and you have to be baptized to be saved. So <laughs> good luck in hell. That is not what happens. That guy was not baptized. And yet Jesus said, he was going to be in heaven, right? So that's a good thing. Um, So it says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Um, I'm trying to find this place really quickly. It's in, I thought it was in Ezekiel. 
26. Anyway, there's a passage in Ezekiel. I thought it was 26. But it says that, that I will pour upon you clean water and you will have a new heart. So he's already talking about that kind of water, the water of cleansing. You know, you know in, in the Jewish culture, even now, they take a lot of baths. And it's not just for hygiene. I mean, they're very symbolic. They do these things are called mikvahs, and it's where you, you know, you, you pray over different, you know, you pray over the head and the eyes and the ears, and it's, it's really beautiful, and it's really intense. But water is also symbolic of the Spirit of God. And he's saying, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, capital S, Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Now, I want to ask you a question. Let's go way back in history to the beginning of your life when you were a zygote, okay? When the egg met with the seed, what did you do to participate in that process? How much work did you, how much work did you have to do? Anybody want to share your testimony? Brad, <laughs> nothing. You did nothing to be born, right? Did anybody? Did you participate? No. When a baby's born, you don't high-five the baby and go, good job being born. You just go, welcome to the world, right? It's the same. Here's what Jesus is saying. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. This is what he's talking about when he's saying you must be born again. You must be born of water. Some people say that this water represents the waters of birth. You know, because what's the first sign that a woman's in labor? Her water breaks. But, but uh, a lot of scholars don't believe that's what this is talking about. They believe that this is actually talking about the cleansing water. And humans produce humans but the spirit produces the spirit within us. And that's how we have to be born again. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. This means anyone who belongs to Christ is a what? Is a what? A new person, a new creature, a new creation. Shout out to new creation church. <laughs> that's an awesome church. The old life is gone and new life has begun. So Jesus, Jesus is saying, this has to happen or you can't go to heaven. So I really want you to examine today. More importantly, I believe Jesus would want you to really examine today. Are you born again? Or are you more like Nick? You just do some good stuff? Because I promise you, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he's not going to say, did you go to church every Sunday? Did you tithe? Did you do good works? Did you help old ladies across the street? Did you rescue kitties from trees? Jesus isn't going to ask these things. He's going to say, what did you do with my son? He's going to say, were you born again? Have you been born of the Spirit? This is what Jesus is going to ask. Born of the Spirit. Let's go to verse 7 in John 3. Here's Jesus talking again. He's like, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, and just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can explain 
how people are born of the Spirit. So I can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. If Jesus says you can't explain it, guess what? You can't explain it. But in the same way that you did not do anything physically to be born, the Spirit will blow wherever the Spirit wants to go. Anybody go outside yesterday? Was that some insane wind? Everybody was so excited. We thought it was going to be this beautiful, nice weekend. And I was like, whoa. It literally woke me up. I thought people were out racing, like, like hot rod racing. It was so loud. It was a roaring wind. And that's what the Holy Spirit is compared to. Did you know that in Greek and Hebrew, the, the word spirit is the same word as wind? And so Jesus is saying that here. He's like, he's like, you can hear the wind. You can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. That is what the Spirit of God is like. How many of you know this firsthand? You know, it kind of happened at, at the end of first service. Um, I just had asked the worship team to come up, and we, we took communion together. And, and then I was like, okay, peace out. And I, and I was leaving, and the worship team just was worshiping. And all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, Spirit of God is here. I'm going to stay here and worship. You don't know where the wind is going. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. So it is with the Spirit of God. You don't know. Verse 9, how are these things possible, Nick asked. And Jesus replied, dude, you are like the man. You are the teacher. This version says a respected, but actually the, the, the word is he is the teacher. He is the expert. And so Jesus is like, you, you are the cream of the crop. You are the top guy. And he says, and yet you don't understand these things. And now Jesus wasn't saying this to demean him. He wasn't saying this to belittle him because that's not how Jesus rolls. He is not like that. But he was saying this like, you've got to get this. All of your works of the law, all your good works, all of the things you do, that's not going to get you to heaven, Nick. He's like, you need to be born of the Spirit of God. You need to be born again. And here Jesus says this again in verse 11, I assure you, when Jesus is saying that, the, the old version used to be truly, truly, I say unto you, truly, what it's saying is, this is for emphasis. You need to hear this. And he says, we tell you what we know and what we have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. Jesus is basically saying, so, so you've seen all these miracles, you've seen all these things, you have seen prostitutes and sinners and lowlifes come to know the Lord through our ministry, and yet you still don't believe because it's not religion. See, that's what religion does. That's what religion says to you. You need to do more. You need to, you need to not do certain things. You need to do these things, and you need to do more and more and more and more and more. And then maybe, maybe you've done enough, but probably not. You know, that is what religion does. Does this sound familiar to anybody? And Nick was a religious guy. He did all the do, did all the dids. <laughs> he did everything right, and he didn't do all the things he wasn't supposed to do. And yet, Jesus is like, you don't, you don't even believe the miracles you see. You still are going back to your own works. Verse 12, but if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me if I tell you about heavenly things? 
See, that's the thing. Religion can never, ever, 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 ever save you. It can't. Your good works can't save you. You can try super hard, but unless you're born again, you are not going to go to heaven. So are you? Are you born again? You know, when I, when I share my story, I talk about when I got saved. And if you don't know what saved means, saved just means you're going to go to heaven. It means that you have eternal life. Um, and when I got saved, or when I came to Jesus, when I was converted to Christianity, um, I, I like to say, jokingly, that I got saved on the installment plan. But actually, I think it works like this. So when I was in fifth grade, so I, I was raised Lutheran, and um, you know, I learned, actually I learned a lot of scripture because they sing a lot of Bible verses as they're doing their liturgy, but I wasn't born again. Then when I was in fifth grade, I went to Bible camp, and they did what we call uh, an invitation to come to Jesus or an altar call. And I responded because I was in fifth grade and peer pressure and everybody else was doing it. And so, but I really had an encounter. I really feel like I had an encounter with the Spirit of the Lord. But then I came back home and I, I didn't really grow at all. There was no evidence that I was born again. So then again, when I was um, fifth or 14, I went to a Billy Graham crusade. Anybody remember Billy Graham? Just as I am without one plea. Anyway, so I went forward with the throngs of people, went forward, and I was crying, and I was like, okay, Lord, I give my life to you, and I'm going to live for you now. But guess what? No evidence that I was saved. I came back, lived just the same way as before. The Bible says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So that means that if you are born again, you need to act like it. Okay? And the thing is, <laughs> it's so funny because like religion says, you need to do this, 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 100,000 things. And then it says, and don't do this, 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 and this. And what does Jesus tell us? One thing, love. That's the one thing he tells us to do. And yet, the church has this reputation for being jerks. So can we prove the world wrong? Can we be actually loving to people? Can we actually be accepting of people and not expect them to act like Christians if they're not born again? Can we not judge people for not acting like we do? Right? You know, uh, my husband did a sermon series called uh, The Heresy of Good Morality. And he talked about, he went through the book of Galatians, which is all about the grace of God. And basically, Paul is saying to these people in Galatians, like, I don't understand. You got saved by the grace of God, but now you think you're going you're gonna to continue this with your good works? You're just like, I don't understand. Who has bewitched you? <laughs> you know? And that is so easy to fall back into. We can so easily fall back into, yes, God loves me. I know God loves me, but now I blew it. So God's probably mad at me. He probably doesn't love me anymore. That is not true. Once you are born again, you are born again. But you still have choices to make. And, and, and so I don't know when I was born again, but so I was 14 at this Billy Graham thing 
responded. And then again, when I was 18, I went and heard a, a pro football player talk, and he shared he had had this radical conversion to Christianity. His whole life was different. And so he gave an invitation, and I responded, and again, I was crying, and then I went and lived like a heathen. You know? Until... I was 22, and I was laying on what I thought was my deathbed. I, had a cere- I thought I had a cerebral hemorrhage. It turned out to be meningitis. But I thought I'd had a cerebral hemorrhage, and I thought I was going to die, and I cried out to God. And I said, God, I'm only 22. Please, if you let me live, I will serve you. And then I thought, I don't even deserve heaven. You know, most people will say what? You say, if you, if you were to die today, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? If today was the last day on earth, where would you spend eternity? And what do most people say? Most people say, I'd go to heaven. I'd go to heaven. And then you say, well, why? How do you know you'd go to heaven? And then they always say, I'm a good person. And I'm like, compared to who? To whom? Compared to whom? Adolf Hitler? Definitely, you're a much better person than Adolf Hitler. <laughs> But I've heard this analogy that if, let's say you're, you're on the coast of California and you're going to swim to Hawaii. Anybody, anybody ever done that? Okay, so let's imagine there's three people standing on the beach. Adolf Hitler, Mother Teresa, and Jesus Christ. Adolf trips, doesn't even make it to the water, okay? He's dead. Mother Teresa, now she's got some skills. She swims out five miles, but then she collapses. She can't make it either. But Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, God of all gods, he can swim to Hawaii and back and Hawaii and back because he's God. It's the same thing with good works. Okay? Adolf's got none. Okay? Mother Teresa, she did a lot of good stuff. But she can't, her good works aren't going to get her into heaven. Only Jesus Christ. Only if you are born again of the spirit of the living God. Now, this message, if, if this is the first time you've ever heard this message, you might be going, this is weird. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Out yourself. <laughs> it's okay. It's a safe place. But... If you're not born of the Spirit, this stuff is whack. This stuff is weird. And it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, it says people who aren't spiritual, which means born again, people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. This all sounds like foolishness to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual, a.k.a. born again, can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by anyone, by others. So basically, this is saying the person without the Spirit of God doesn't understand the ways of the Spirit of God, their foolishness. They can't understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And so, you know, we go on social media and we try to convince people to act better, or not to be heathens, or whatever we try to convince them, you know. And I want to just say this to parents, to those of you who have children still within your care, don't raise your children to be hypocrites. 
In other words, don't expect them to act a certain way on the outside if their heart hasn't been transformed. I mean, obviously, you don't want to just allow your kid to go out and sin like a dog, but, but you also don't try to make them act like a Christian if they're not a Christian. Okay? That's just turning them into a hypocrite. It's just making them have to live a secret life. Let your kids ask questions. Let your kids challenge your faith. If you're a Christian parent, let your kids ask you. Have an open dialogue with them. God is not threatened by their questions. God is fully able to defend himself. Okay? But we have to have this this place where young people can ask the hard questions. We have to provide a safe place. Because I'll tell you, I, I, was, just, I was just talking to somebody um, between services, and um, I'm, I'm actually um, in a graduate program right now, and I'm writing a paper on uh, releasing Gen Z leaders in, within the church. And I talk about the difference between the dark ages when I grew up and how they're growing up now. And I was like, yeah, like if we wondered about something, back when I was in college, you know, we'd be sitting around wondering about something. We'd just sit around and wonder. <laughs> now it's like, hey, Siri, so what's that, you know? So all the information is right there, available, right at your fingertips. But a lot of it's misinformation. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of places you can go and get wrong information. There's one place you can go and get, and I know this, if you've never heard this message, it probably sounds really closed-minded. My husband always used to say, but are you open-minded to closed-mindedness? <laughs> because once you get the answer, once you know truth, who Jesus is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you can close your mind up, not to people, but to other avenues, you know, I used to be one of those people, all ways, all roads lead to God. No, that is not true. It says there is salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ. There's no other salvation. And I know that sounds really, probably really dogmatic. And what I'm not saying is that if other people don't believe the same way that you do, that you have the right to abuse them or we are called to what again? Love. Let's do it. Here, um, I really got off course there. Um, let me finish my story. So, okay, so I'm laying there. I have meningitis. I'm crying out to God. I'm thinking, I don't even deserve heaven. Like, I'm, like, even on the scale, like, I, I, was, some, I was, like, pretty close to Adolf as far as the journey, and I knew I did not deserve heaven, and I was scared. I was 22, and I thought I was going to die. And so I made this promise to God, didn't quite answer it then, but a few years later, I completely, 100% fully surrendered my life to the Lord. Best decision I ever made. And he radically transformed me. And I believe that was the moment I was born again of the Spirit. I think all those other things, you know, if you think about it, you know, when the, when the seed meets the egg, the baby isn't born immediately. There's a period of time that has to, this thing has to develop within the womb of the mother. And I think back in my life, and I think how many people that came and shared Jesus with me, they came and shared the truth with me, which is called evangelism. 
which means it's taken from the word that means good news deliverer or, or one who delivers good news. It means like a good news angel. That's what we are. When we share Jesus with people, and if you are a person, if you're scared to share your faith with somebody or you're, you're afraid of rejection or you're afraid of being misunderstood or whatever, you know, the word of God, the Bible says the word of God is living and active. And it says that the word of God will not return unto him empty, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it's sent. And I just want to say, talk to people about the word of God. Be bold. Be bold in your faith. What, do you, what have you got to lose? Right? Anybody? And Easter's coming up. And Easter is one of the times, you know, there's the CEOs, Christmas and Easter only, the people that only come to church twice a year. They come on Easter. And I promise you, I will share the good news because it transformed my life. And I can tell you so many people whose lives it transformed. And yesterday, the craziest thing happened. Do I have permission to share about the funeral? Yesterday, there was a funeral. Um, Rustin's sister passed away, and she was an addict. And that was not a secret. It was pretty open. And there were a lot of people here that were addicts. And I said, you know, it's almost like a prerequisite to go to the adventure that you have to have been an addict at some point. <laughs> but check this out. This is so, such a God thing. So Rustin, the brother of the deceased woman, um, he gets up there and he shares from Matthew chapter 9, which is a story about how Jesus was hanging out with the lowlifes. You know, Jesus was hanging out with actually the version um, that, the, one of the versions calls him scum. That's the way they're referred. These are human beings, but these are like the lowest of the low, and Jesus is hanging out with them. Classic Jesus. That's Jesus. And so Rustin, he's reading this passage, you know, to all these people who, who have probably been shunned by people like Nick and by religious people. They've probably been rejected. They've probably been made to feel like there's no hope for you. You're, there's, you're scum. So Rustin shares this. And Pastor Ira, one of the pastors here, he was going to give a little talk, and he came up to me, and he showed me his notes. And guess which passage? The Holy Spirit woke him up in the morning and said, I want you to scrap your plans, and this is what I want you to talk about. I want you to talk about Matthew chapter 9. Do you know that the chances of that are 31,102 to 1? That's how many verses there are in the Bible. If the math is wrong, correct me, but I... There's 31,102 verses in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit says, you know what? Our message is this today. And so, and so it was confirmed. These are the things of the Spirit. Because Rustin and Ira didn't talk in the morning. They didn't come up with this plan. Hey, so I'm going to do this first. Oh, okay, I'll do that first. It was the Spirit of the Lord. It was the Spirit of God. And Jesus says here in verse 13, he goes, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. 
And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man shall be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. What? How many of you are just like, what? What does this have to do with anything? Snakes? Wait, we were just talking about birth. Now we're talking about snakes? So what this is based on is a scripture in in Numbers chapter 21, when the Israelites who were notorious for grumbling and complaining and rebelling and sinning and getting down on Moses and Aaron, does this sound familiar to anybody? (laughs) This is who we are. Don't ever think you're not the Israelites. We're the Israelites. But thanks be to God for his grace, because he loves us. We're his chosen people. But what happened was, so they were sinning, as usual, and all these serpents came into their camp, and they were biting them, and these people were dying. And so God says, hey, I want you to take a stick, and I want you to put a bronze serpent up on that, and then if everybody looks at that bronze serpent, then they'll be healed, and they won't die. Totally makes sense, right? Sometimes there's stuff in the Bible you're like, wow, I don't get that. Except the serpents represent sin. And the wages of sin, the Bible says, lead to death. So the serpents were coming in and biting them. The stick represents the cross. And the bronze serpent represents Jesus, who was without sin, but became sin for us. You get the picture? So all it's saying is, in order to be saved, in order to be delivered from death and the effects of the sin, all you have to do is look to the cross to look up and put your faith in what Jesus Christ did. Not in your works, not in how much scripture you've memorized, not in how much money you give, not in how kind you are, not in going, how many times you go to church, not in that. You put your hope in the cross of Jesus Christ, who was the guy who came and hung out with the lowlifes. He's the one who accepts everyone. And so that is what you look to. You look to Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up, and I'm going to talk about the most popular scripture, or I should say the most common scripture, which sums up the entire Bible in one verse, and it's John 3.16. Anybody ever seen that, like at a sporting event? <laughs> they always got John 3.16. I do have to tell you a funny story. There was a politician who shall remain unnamed, and he claimed to be a Christian. The evidence of his life was that he probably wasn't a Christian. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but produce fruit in keeping with repentance. There was he, he, anyway, I won't go on. But anyway, so they asked him, they go, what's your favorite Bible verse? And he said, John 16, 3, which basically says, you know, we and our fathers are just sinners. And, you know, he meant John three sixteen, But that's what this one says. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, 
but have eternal life. This is the gospel right here. This is the good news. Now you imagine the scenario here. Nick is this religious leader who's been taught his whole life, God only loves the ones that are good. God only loves the ones that do all the law. God doesn't love the scum. God doesn't love those people. And here Jesus is dispelling that myth. He's going, God loved the whole world. God loved everyone so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not go to hell, will not perish, but they will have eternal life. They will go to heaven. If they believe in him, if they are born again of his spirit, they will have eternal life. Isn't this good news? And this is what God is saying to us today. He's saying, he's saying God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's a scripture that says he desires that all would come to a repentance and a knowledge of the truth. You know that seed that that I was talking about? That is the word of God. There is the word of God that will produce the evidence that you have been born again. Reading, reading this this book that will change your life, absolutely transform your life. If you've never read the Bible before, I mean, I would read Genesis, but then, you know, you might get a little bogged down. Read the book of John. John was like Jesus's best friend. Read Proverbs, read the Psalms. Psalms are prayers, and they will show you so much about who God is. But this book, I promise you, will transform your life. And God loved you so much that he gave his only son that if you believe in him, if you are born again, you will not suffer hell. You will not go to hell, but you will have eternal life. You will go to heaven. And if you're not sure today, you can be sure. You can ask the Lord, fill me with your spirit, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Because Jesus says, he goes, if my kids came and asked me for bread, would I give them a stone? Or if they asked me for fish, would I give them a serpent? He says, how much more does God want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So if you are not sure you have been born again, we're going to take communion together, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to invite the Spirit of the Lord to give you new life, to give you new birth. And if you are a believer, I'm going to pray that God would give you a boldness to begin to share this good news with people, to plant the seeds of the word of God in people, even if you don't know what happens to them. Because I'm sure the people that came and shared Jesus with me are like, nah, there's no hope for her. But years later, who knew? You know, the, the seed is not planted and then immediately the baby's born takes a while. So just trust the Holy Spirit. Okay, again, I want to remind you, just take off the little cellophane piece, not the foil piece, or you'll spill on yourselves. Okay, so take this off. What this wafer represents, what this is called communion or Eucharist or um, Holy Communion. What this represents is that God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, humbled himself, set his authority aside, and became human just like us. And he lived a perfect life. He never, ever, ever sinned. 
And he allowed that physical body to be beaten, to be, to be mocked, to be crucified on a cross, which was the most brutal form of murder. And Jesus Christ, God himself, allowed that to happen in his body so that we could be reconciled to our maker. So with that in mind, Jesus, we remember you as we do this. And we take this wafer. Thank you for becoming human. Thank you for coming to this earth. In Jesus' name, take that. And then, it says in Leviticus, it says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Jesus became like a sacrifice. He became the sacrifice for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we could be made righteous, that we could be made right with God. And it says that when Jesus was on the cross, his blood was poured out so that we could be cleansed from our sins, so that we could be saved, so that we could be born again, so that we could have eternal life. So can we take this? And if you are not born again, ask the Spirit of the Lord to come and fill you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I want to talk to a couple of groups, and then we're going to dismiss you. So again, if you haven't been born again, we're going to pray now. And if you have, I just want to, I want to pray over you that you would have a spirit of boldness, that you would, you would not be worried about rejection or insecurity or any of those things, but that you would declare the goodness of God to a broken and lost and hurt and dark world. Can we prove them wrong? Can we prove them that we are motivated by the love of God? Can we do that? Yes? I don't see any people nodding. Yes? Okay, yeah. So let's pray. Father, we, we, could you stand, please? We just humble ourselves, Lord. We come before you, creator of the universe, God. And we thank you, Lord, that we can be born again of your spirit. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. That same dunamis, the same spirit of power is available to us, Lord. Fill us, fill us with your spirit. Lord, for those who have never come to know you, Lord, we just confess to you, every one of us, we are sinners. Every one of us, we have fallen short. God, we have sinned. Lord, we know that. Lord, we can't save ourselves. We've tried to change. We can't save ourselves. We need you. We need your spirit. And Lord, I just speak right now for anybody who has not been born again. Right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray you would fill them with your spirit. Lord, as they humble themselves before you and confess that they are helpless and hopeless. Lord, as they believe that you went to the cross and that you were raised from the dead, I pray, God, that they would be born again right now. Lord, pour out your spirit in this place. And Father, for those who know you, for those who are born again already, 
born of your spirit. I ask God, you would fill us with a spirit of power, a spirit of boldness, God, that we would not shrink back from telling people the truth, that we would tell people that you love the world so much that you gave your only son, that if if we believe in you, Lord, we will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. Let us share the good news. Let us be angels of the good news, Lord, to people who are broken and hurting and lost. Help us not be weird. Lord, help us do it in a way that honors you. Help us to just um, hear your voice. Fill us with your spirit. Can you just say that now? Can you lift your hands and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Just say it. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. Lord, fill us. God, fill us to overflowing. We bless you, Lord. We love you. We praise you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you guys for being here. We're going to stay in worship for a little while. You're dismissed if you want to go. But if you want the good stuff, we're going to worship right now. Amen. Woo!